Welcome everybody to the Diecast Movie Podcast. For this episode, we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, Dad. Hello, everybody. Just before we get into the episode, where we're going to be, I'm going to be interviewing Joshua Kennedy for the second time. Um, we had some tragic news recently with the passing of Veronica Carlson. I've met Veronica Carlson many times and was fortunate enough to be able to interview her. She was obviously a person that was extremely kind and generous, uh, treated everybody like friend and family, and was just a joy to meet and see it at Monster Bash, how she interacted with the fans and how she was basically like royalty, like the queen of the bash. So we're going to take a moment to pause to reflect on her passing and then we'll pick up with the show. Thank you, everybody. And just before we start the show, I just want to again thank, thank everybody for listening. And um, this is Joshua Kenny's second interview. If you go back in the archive again, you can hear the first interview with him. You can also hear our review of House of the Gorgon. And Josh has been a guest host on multiple episodes. So stay tuned and listen to the interview. And at the end of the interview, we'll be talking about his upcoming movie and how you can help support it. Everybody have a good day. Enjoy the interview. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And today we're doing an interview with the one and only Joshua Kennedy, actor, writer, director, international man of intrigue. How are you doing today, <laughs> Mr. Kennedy? I am doing quite well. Thank you for having me here again. Lovely to see you after all this. It's been so long since... Uh... <laughs> since we last talked. <laughs> yeah, it, feel, it feels like forever, you know, and that kind of it's stuff. But It's been a long time. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And for listeners, this is the second interview that Josh has done. So if you go back in our um, archives, you can find the first interview, which I will tell listeners, um, we had different recording equipment back then, and the audio quality is not going to be as good as this episode's. So just, just bear that in mind But we talk about different work, his older work than we're going to talk about with this interview. But Josh, you, you, you have t turned out a lot of things. I mean, since our last interview, you've gotten a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> At the ripe old age of 25. Yes. My lifetime achievement award, which is actually, Oh, I don't know if you can see it over there on, on my, my, my desk. Um, yes. Monster batch graciously gave me a lifetime achievement award at the ripe old age of 25. And, I mean, it's all been downhill after that. I mean, I had to retire. I had to <laughs> my lifetime achievement. I'm done. You're like Orson Welles, you know. Okay, your mic drop. I'm done. Let's move on. To, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm, but just like Mr. Wells, you keep moving forward and keep coming out with the work. And one of your films, I enjoy. It. It's quirky. It's fun. It's a Saturday matinee movie that brings joy to my heart. What can you say about Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls? The latest production from Gooey Productions. That's Gooey <laughs> with two O's. <laughs> with <a U. laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I'm so happy that it, that you you understand. I mean, the Saturday matinee. I'm glad that that you you enjoyed it. That that was a a, a rough birth, if I can explain it. That that was a movie that that just started and stopped and we had the pandemic in the middle of it and it was just it never seemed to, to catch flight so it really means a lot honestly to, to hear that you enjoyed it and that people have enjoyed it it's especially it, it's on um it's the first movie that i released on amazon prime that, that you could can watch and some of some of the the i mean you put it on amazon prime you're just asking for everyone in the world to see it and some of the comments haven't been too kind so to hear that people have enjoyed it is is very very Nice to hear. Well, I think a lot of people don't understand when they're watching this. Is it? This is this is what they call a micro budget film. Exactly. <laughs> not every film is going to have the production value of a Marvel, you know, Avengers superhero extravaganza. Um, yeah, this is. I, I wouldn't even say micro budget. I would say no budget uh, <laughs> extravaganza. And the people that that know that and know that this is like backyard filmmaking and, and understand that they're the ones who really appreciate, like yourself who, who appreciate it. And I think that that that's a major factor in enjoying that film, especially it's like, okay, this is, you know, 
gather up the friends and the neighbors and let's put on a, a let's make a movie uh, type feel. Um, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoy it. Like I like I said, it's it's, it's fun. Well, it's it's an enjoyable um, picture, and it, you can you you can see it on different streaming services, but you can also buy the Blu-ray. Yes. Uh, the Blu-ray, which is jam-packed with a making of uh, documentary, it's got bloopers, uh, deleted scenes, and a commentary with yours truly um, that you don't get on on streaming services. And plus, you get to actually you know hold it in your hands, which is almost a lost art in itself. Physical media, excuse me. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's quite it's quite a unique film, I would say. <laughs> Well, it is. And I mean, this is a movie where you have live action, you have stop motion, you have, um, Western aspects. It's cowgirl. So you got the Western motif with the, the dinosaurs motif. It's like Valley of Guanji on a, on a small scale budget. Uh, like we said, virtually nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but the thing is when you watch the behind the scenes, it, you're able to see the creativity that you and, um, Julian Flores was able to bring yes. into setting up to make it look like you actually had somewhat of a budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got to give props. I mean, Jules is, is my right hand man, and he's been my executive. It's funny we met in in high school, and we were in a few plays together, and um, I still remember meeting him for the first time. And he helped out. Funny enough, he is in. Um, Voyage to the Planet of Teenage Cave Woman, which is my third or second film very early on. And he, like our lives like somehow kept intersecting throughout. He's in The Menace with Five Arms. He has like a few lines there. And we keep constantly running into each other. I went to New York. He went to Chicago for a while, lived in Chicago. And we kept bumping into each other. And, and luckily, over the past few years, we've really gotten very close. And he helped with Cowgirls. He's executive producer on Mantipus, which I'm working on right now, and Saturnalia. And he's like my right hand man. He's the executive producer for Gooey Films. He's he's terrific. Um, but yeah, we he was the one. Him and I up till two a.m. the night before the cowgirls came in, setting up, you know, sets, building sets, painting sets. He's a man, and then he's also holding sound. He's he's a man of many many talents. <laughs> and and also he's on the screen too. So it's like he does. He's he's. Oh, he wears like 20 different hats in your production. I think the only reason I say 20 and stop there is because you probably ran out of hats to give him, and he probably hey, just had yeah, to go hatless. <laughs> we are out of hats. He's all, I mean, he was uh, the main sound uh, uh, recorder for House of the Gorgon, and in House of the Gorgon, he's the, the guy who's playing the organ at the beginning. Um, and he always he, – he's just tremendous. And he's also uh, – he's the, I don't know, the outlaw in – he's. In the first scene in Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyls, he's the outlaw. And he's also in Saturnalia and Mantis. He's <laughs> And he's tremendous. So, yes. he And like like you said, watching the making of documentary of Cowgirls, I think, just adds to the enjoyment of watching the actual film. Because you're like, oh, we shot this in a garage. Oh, this scene is in a dining room in my house. Uh, it's, it's, I think that just adds to the enjoyment. And a lot of people have said that, which is nice to hear. Well, I mean, it's... There's movie magic is called movie magic for a reason because it, you get transported, but sometimes it's nice to see how the magic is made, you know, and, uh, you know, what are some of the tricks behind the, the, the let's look behind the cut and let's see what's there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that makes it even more impressive you know, as you go through it. And, and you had some wonderful actors, um, that you, you M Megan Wiley, you had Danny Thompson, um, I'm trying to remember the other two ladies' names. If you could help me out, yeah, Haley Sega and it was Maddie Wiley. I know. You, I think you said Megan Well. Oh, Madeline Megan. Wiley. I meant Madeline Wiley. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Maddie. yeah. Maddie Wiley, Haley Sega, Carmen Vintage. I mean, wonderful. And they, I had worked with them before in, in, in New York City. That's where I met them. Um, and and Danny Thompson, tremendous UK scream. She's not a scream queen. She's a scream princess. As, as I know, you interviewed her. Just a great, great interview. You interviewed Maddie too. Um, and funny enough, I'm sure, I mean, I think she talked about it with you. I met Danny at the, uh, London premiere of house of the Gorgon and she was so impressed with it. And she said, whenever you have a, a role for me, you know, 
let me know and I, I count me in. And I was, I was what am I going to say? No. Uh, it's like, no, sorry, Danny. Only, only American actresses. Uh, and luckily, I mean, Saturnal- I was writing Saturnalia at the time. And I mean, we, we connected over Facebook and within, I want to say that year, House of the Gorgon opened in January. And I want to say by that December, she was here in Texas filming for Saturnalia and, and Cowgirls and Mantipus. Um, and yeah, tre- tremendous actresses and actors in Cowgirls. Uh, my, my lovely little troop of, of people that I love to draw on. Um, oh, and if people are wondering why I don't refer to actresses, I just refer to actors, is because this is, this is my logic. If you have a female doctor, we call him a doctor. We don't call him a doctress. So it's okay. I, I, so I go by the I go by the, the the job that they're doing, which is actor, and I'll I'll say to them if I'm going to break it down, I'll say male actor, or female actor, but um, okay. I think to me and I've and there also the other reason is I've had Elizabeth Shepard and other female actors school me and not school me, but to teach me that basically they refer they they prefer to be referred to as an actor, and so I figured okay. hey. If that's, you know, and I, so I just universally have just switched every so often I'll slip, you know, because, you know, you're growing up, but it's just, that's the reason I just, if you, if you ever hear me say an actor, I'm referring to all genders. <laughs> gotcha. I completely understand. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, so, and, and that kind of thing, like I, my, my two favorite actors in all time is Catherine Hedburn and Spencer Tracy, they're number one. I'm never going to try to pick which one's better because that's just that's just craziness. So they're they're my top yeah, two. Yeah. I mean top well yeah top one whatever you know they're they're, they're best tied for one. one. Number one. <laughs> I love it. Very nice. Good pick. Good pick. But Danny Thompson was kind of interesting because you had her. You had already done majority of the filming of the movie, and you had her in, and then you had to enter. Secto and to put those scenes into the movie and the way you did it, it fits, you know, fits with the movie. Cause I'm, and this has happened many movies before yours and it happened after where things change and you have to do pickup shots and that, and you can't get the whole cast because again, you have no budget. You're not flying in everybody from New York. Let's do some pickup shots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, so yes, exactly. Uh, we had shot with the, the three New York city girls over the course of, it wasn't even a week. It had to have been, we shot for three days, four days. I mean, they were here on a Monday and they, I want to say they were done by Saturday. I mean, it was astronomically insane what we pulled off and editing it together. And as I'm editing it, um, waiting on the cool thing with, with that was the masterful Ryan Lingo. I, I've for years, I've known him for years and I think I've been mispronouncing his last name for all this time because Spelled Lengiel, but I think the Y is silent, so I'm trying to fix it this time. Ryan Lengel. Forgive me, Ryan. <laughs> Tremendous guy. Anyway, he was in charge of the, the stop motion animation. So we would, I filmed the, basically with the three cowgirls, and then I just let Ryan take off. I was like, whenever you do the, the, the animation, I mean, you let me know. And I mean, that takes a long time. So I would have to put cowgirls on ice. And while he finished the animation, then I could edit it together and finish it up. And so as that's on ice, I'm writing Saturnalia, which is a completely different, wacky, almost a Mel Brooks science fiction extravaganza. This cartoonist uh, draws this fur bikini cave girl, and she comes to life. I'm simplifying it a lot, but she comes to life and runs amok. And I'm writing this as House of the Gorgon is premiering, meet Danny, and I'm, and she offers me that wonderful proposition. Whenever you have a movie, let me know. Boom, that's Saturnalia. She's perfect. She can, she'll be the perfect character of Saturnalia. That's the name of the comic book character, by the way, is Saturnalia. And had a, had it scheduled that she would come in December when it's not too freaking hot here in Texas, and she would spend a week here in Texas, and we would film Saturnalia. And as I'm planning it, I realized that a week is more than enough time, if not too much time, to shoot. Again, that might sound insane to, <laughs> to uh, anyone listening. It's like, wait, one week is too much time for a, to shoot a movie? And yes, it is, for me at least. And I came up with the idea. I was like, well, you're going to be here. Uh, why don't you um, 
And it was her idea somehow where she said, am I going to be in Cowgirls? And I was like, no, we're done with that. She's like, oh, I wanted to fight pterodactyls. And I thought a second and I said, you know what? I could write you in. We're going to have extra time. And so all of just out of the sheer love for filmmaking and for fun, I was like, why not? You could be, you're going to be here for a few extra days. I'll, I'll write you into Cowgirls. So I went back, looked at the script that I had and somehow found a way to, to, write her in and uh, there's it's funny people have have mentioned they're like it seems like there's two different movies in 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 cowgirls versus pterodactyls i was like well it, it, that's kind of true <laughs> i think it, it it meshes i mean it all ties together at the end um but i had to find a way just just for fun i was like let's get danny in here let's find a way to, to squeeze her in somehow and luckily um without her the film was a bit too short um I only thought about that later on. I was like, if we didn't shoot the Danny stuff, it would have been a 45 minute movie, which I've done before. But luckily with her, it extended to, you know, a nice 70 minutes. I think it is 71 minutes. And, um, she's, and it's funny, this last minute thought to film her in, she gets a lot of the praise, um, from people who've seen the movie. Like she is fantastic. She doesn't have that much lines and she's just, killing it her presence is tremendous she's the best part of the movie and i was like it was an afterthought to throw her in and yeah she's she's fantastic well she gets we, to... we have a joke i'm sorry go, go, ahead, go, go for a joke no i was gonna say it was like we have a joke uh that how quickly we we work together and how well we work together her uh julian and and myself uh we work so well together that i was like we need to find a way to get danny in every single future gooey film like just somehow um yeah, because she's she's wonderful. Well, she told me in the interview she's always ready to do another movie with you. You know, like you you two seem to hit it creativity wise right off the bat. But she got For to sure. ride a pterodactyl in this movie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, did. You know, and and, and all that's this stuff. my that's my tribute. Go ahead, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, and also I, I always refer to, and I said to her interview, like she's like the woman in black because she always wears black. Like yes. Johnny Cash is the man in black. She's the woman in black mm -hmm. and has very sparse dialogue, which is kind of a nod to the Clint Eastwood characters and that kind of stuff. And, but I'd like, you took the Johnny Cash type character design. You took Clint Eastwood and you, and you put them together with Danny Thompson and she just does it, does it extremely well. Cause, cause again, she's acting in a lot of cases with nobody else. Yeah. And nothing there. You know, it's like, okay, this is what it looks like. Go. <laughs> yes. And she said that that was her, her favorite part. It was like, because it was throwing her back to her youth when she was like five years old playing with, with you know, fighting monsters. or I mean, we all do that as, as little kids. And throwing her onto a, a green screen set. And it's like, all right, and make believe. And it, she said that that was her most fun. And she did it just so well. I was like, okay, and then there's, now there's a giant pterodactyl flying in and i mean all of her reaction shots are just me you know waving in the back it's like and i'm the pterodactyl and look at me look at me and she's phenomenal um and i love that you mentioned clint eastwood because that that was my main I, well, that was one of my directions i was like she was like i don't how should i be reacting i was like just think clint eastwood just that grizzled woman in black and even <laughs> some people have suggested like she should have her own spin-off movie doris yates i think her name was and I was like, that's, that's not a bad idea. Like, not so much a sequel, but, like, maybe Doris goes off and fights something else. Or, or well, you do, I would love that. Would there was a film called Billy the Kid versus Dracula. I mean, just, just throwing yeah. it out there, you know. I mean, you know I, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Doris Yates meets, you know, the mummy or something. Yeah, that's, that's oh, my God, great. All right. <laughs> that's, I'm going to go write it right now. Uh, <laughs> great talking to you. <laughs> Well, I mean, it could be like Doris Yates, um, um, Wild West Monster Hunter. It's the yeah, yeah. Oh Hunter. So God. you could you could go, go you could go crazy. She could be traveling the world. Well, and then that that just opens up. I hate to say franchise, but I mean that could be multiple movies. That could be a different monster. Like just how Abbott and Costello met all the monsters. She, she could meet all of them. Oh man, here we go. And even the funny thing is, <laughs> even if you don't have enough for a full length movie, you can do where it's like a like an adventure where she encounters two or three monsters and just have a through yeah. line, and then you know goes right through. It's like the continuing adventures. It's like you know what's going to happen next. It's never an easy life. It's never mundane. Yeah, great. Now I'm going to have to give you story credit. That's a wonderful idea. 
Oh. I'm going to add it to my list of movies. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, I, I, I just want to see creative people like yourself come up with great work, you know, and that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, and that's, you know, cause everybody has different talents and abilities and, um, and, and yours I like because it's just in sensibilities that I, I enjoy. I mean, now we're not, when we talk about cowgirls or pterodactyls, this is not citizen Kane, you know, but you have to, <laughs> you have to know what you're going in for. And I know the vibe, like I said, you were going for is, I think I put in a, a review on uh, on Amazon Prime. It's like if if it's like a rainy Saturday afternoon, you know, type thing, and you wanted to watch a movie, this is going to be really good. You're going to enjoy it. And one of the things that really, really helps this movie and augments it, Reber Clark's score. Oh my God! God. Reber Clark, yes, he is outstanding. Um, I can't. I mean, I can't praise him enough. Uh, we worked on House of the Gorgon together, and funny enough, never had met in person until the premiere of House of the Gorgon. Everything was by email, and and uh, and he's as soon as we met, it was almost like meeting a long lost brother. He's a tremendous, wonderful, kind man. Him and and his wife uh, Lee, um, wonderful, wonderful people. And but he he gets it. And I remember for House of the Gorgon, and it's funny, every soundtrack that he, he had, he did House of the Gorgon, he did Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls, and he's working on both Manticos and Saturnalia. And for the first one, House of the Gorgon, I was going for this Hammer-esque, obviously, um, tribute to James Bernard, who was their main composer. And James Bernard had, had this um, way of all his themes sung the title of the film. So Dracula was Dracula. Um, Curse of Frankenstein was the Curse of Frankenstein. Like all of his titles did that. Anyway, I told Reber this. I was like, we're doing a James Bernard type score. And within, I want to say, an afternoon, he had sent back. He's like, what do you think about this? And sure enough, without me even telling him, it was House of the Gorgon. I was like, you know exactly. Without me even telling him, he knew the wavelength that that I was functioning on. And ever since then... I mean, Cowgirls, he did completely on his own. I mean, knew exactly that, that Wild West, almost Morricone. Morric, Morric, <laughs> Morricone? Morricone, yes. I had his tongue tied there. Morricone-esque. Um, a little John Williams thrown in there. I mean, there, there's, it's, it's, he's 50% of the, the movie. It's 50% Reber, 50% Ryan with the, the, the animations. I mean, they're, they're tremendous. And listening to both House of the Gorgon and Cowgirls on their own CD as their own separate soundtracks, they're just fun in itself. It's like this is this is some great music, not only in helping the movie but on its, on their own. They're they're just great pieces of music. And and for people who are wondering, I mean, I, I don't know if he has them available in CD anymore, but you can go Google Reber Clark, and you can go to his um, web page, and I think it's on um, uh, Bandcamp. Bandcamp, and you can get the whole soundtrack for just about next to nothing. And uh, I really enjoy both soundtracks. I have both in CD and on Bandcamp because when you had the CD, he would give you the Bandcamp version as an added bonus. So you have the you got I got the digital and the physical, which is like ah, I got the best of both worlds. <laughs> worlds, yeah, exactly. And he he does a lot for like the HP Lovecraft. Uh, Radio, uh, they do like the, the audio books. I'm not, not exactly sure how, how to describe it, but they're all in Bandcamp too. And just listening to them, I've listened to a few, like he did the At the Mountains of Madness, like just background music, but if they're doing radio plays or something, and re- listening to it and reading the actual H.P. Lovecraft stories, I, I highly recommend because they're just spot on music wise. He, he's, he's a brilliant man. And for I'm listeners, we, I did an interview with Reber Clark a while back, you can go back in the archive and find them. And, um, and he, and one of the nice things about his interview is I asked him about some, what some different scores that he likes from other people. And we play parts of them and he talks about what, why he likes it and yes. different things. And it's yes, so I, I cool. Yeah. Yeah. The way his mind works, um, is I just completely, I, uh, I call him my, my Bernard Herman. I mean, how Hitchcock always had Bernard Herman and Herman, who's my favorite composer. I was like, he, Reaver is my Bernard Herman. And just the way his mind works is, is 
fascinating. I mean, being a filmmaker, it's just fascinating to, to hear how he sees certain scenes. And he's like, I'm thinking this should be a little bit like North by Northwest, but with a mixture of, you know, Twilight Zone. I was like, dude, you, whoa, yes, it sounds great. <laughs> Can you pull that off? Yeah, he's, he's wonderful. Now, one actor we haven't mentioned that does the narration of Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls is somebody who's been, I think, in, 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 is like a staple for Joshua Kennedy films and yeah. music videos. <laughs> <laughs> Martine Beswick, the amazing yeah. Martine Beswick. Oh, bless her. Yes. Um, Mrs. Kennedy, as she's affectionately known around here. Um, cause you know, we're husband and wife, so we, we have to, you know, make it known. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's wonderful. And, uh, she, I want to say she, there was some, cause of course COVID came along. She was supposed to be here or come across the pond cause she's in the UK to do something. And COVID came in and ruined everything. And so all of her narration for Cowgirls, and it's funny, she has a little narration part in Mantipus, and she has another cameo in Saturnalia, voice-wise. Um, so I'm another person who I'm always trying to, she's like my, my, my good luck charm. Um, kind of how Christopher Nolan always has Michael Caine pop up in his movies. It's Martine. It's always going to be threaded throughout my production. Well, Pixar, but, Pixar has John um, um, Ratzenberger in all their movies. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, gooey films has, has Martine and, um, at least for cowgirls, all of her stuff was done over the phone. I mean, uh, FaceTiming. So I sent her a microphone and, uh, took forever for her to set it up. Uh, I had to go, okay, press the button. Okay. Do this. Um, she's a little, she's a little technologically challenged, which I mean, it was a very complicated microphone. So, I mean, I understand that. But over FaceTime, and it's just like, okay, press the button, all right. And she had the script in front of her, and I was directing her via FaceTime. I was like, no, say it like this. And she had such a hard time figuring out the, the tone. I mean, not a hard time, but she was having difficulty with the tone. She's like, is this goofy? Is this? I was like, you need to read it like you're, it's like you're reading it to kids, like it's a storybook. And she, as soon as I said that, everything, she's like, okay, I get it now. She's like, once upon a time, there were these cows, whatever the, the, the line was. Uh, in 1858, the cowgirls and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, she's a wonderful person, wonderful actress, and what a hell of a ra- hell of a voice. <laughs> Her voice is only, like, aged like fine wine. Um, lovely, lovely, lovely woman. Oh, she is. And, 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 and her narration works so much wonders in it. And I remember there's the one scene where the girl, one of the, one of the, cowgirls leaves behind the food and when they find out when they're all there it's like well i had the food you know i i, I didn't leave it behind and they're like and and, and she does the narration like well let's go back and it's like it, it rewind yeah. which fits your humor so well and you see it left behind and it's like ding <laughs> yeah 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 and I, the arrows that come in is like there it is it's always been there the whole time yeah yeah and, and it's funny, I had to describe that to her, too. She's like, what do you mean it rewinds? I was like, no, the whole film rewinds. She's like, but I don't understand. And I said, you're pausing the movie like you're watching it, and you're rewinding the film, Martin. And you're like, let's take a look at that, shall we? She's like, oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, and it, it, as soon as I feel like it, giving her the right direction, she'll nail it every time when she knows exactly what it is. I mean, every actor should be that way, but her especially. Outstanding. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I, and that's what I mean. There's there's parts that are so humorous, and you actually had real horses in this <laughs> yeah. film. And, and of course, horses are like the the hardest thing. Like you know, there's budgets. Like people say, oh, it's a simple cowboy Indian or in, in, in you know western. But it's amazing. Yeah. Like when they first horses involved, people don't realize the horses. It's like ooh, that jacks up the price, you know. And yeah. Oh, and I mean, if you've seen the, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, those horses were such a pain in the butt. Not physically or anything, but I think we only had them for an hour to shoot the whole movie with, and they had to, because, again, we're in Texas, those horses were actually being driven to a ranch for actual ranch work with real cowboys. So in the middle, we were supposed to have them the whole day, and, of course, the guy, and he was lo- wonderfully lending us the horses free of charge because he's a friend of the family, but he's like, actually I have a job to go to. So, I mean, 
10 minutes into what was supposed to be a whole afternoon, I had to wrap up and like say, all right, let's shoot everything we possibly can. Just keep running around in a circle and let's keep filming them and get as much footage as we can with the horses. So it's funny you bringing that up. I instantly was shot back to like instant stress. I'm like, oh, the horses, how can we forget? And, and the great thing with movie magic is you only had two horses, yet you have three cowgirl, cowgirls. And so oh, you had to yeah. shoot it in a way where oh. they all look like they're on horses. Oh, yeah, that was the other headache. I was like, we only got two? I was like, yeah, didn't you need two? I was like, no, we needed three. He's like, oh, well, I brought two. I like, all right. And then, again, talking about the, the ladies were from New York City, so it's not like we could schedule another day. It's like, well, we got two. Let's make it work with what we have. The, the ladies leave on Saturday. We can't reshoot this. Um, but uh, it's funny. People who uh, watch the behind-the-scenes stuff, they don't – once they find out that there are only two horses, they're like, you hit it really well. It looked like there were three. I was like, that's the best compliment <laughs> I can receive. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize with no budget independent filmmaking is you have to be thinking outside, not only outside of the box, but you're lucky to have a box. And uh, <laughs> you, know, yeah, you, you have to, where you have to come up with all these ideas. It's like, okay, we want to do this. How can I do this? And, and, and then how can I do this in the, in, in the least expensive manner, you yeah. know, to pull it off. And that, go, that, that goes back to the older days of filmmakers when they were coming up with these things for the first time. It's like, well, we want yeah. to do this. How do we do that? Like an Abel Gantz and, um, and those kind of things. Um, you know, it's that, that's to me, it was what is what filmmakers are in independent branches still today. And as, as always has been a lot of them, a lot of the better ones are the creative ones. They're trying to think about well, what can we do? Okay. How can we do this? And how can we make it? So it looks good or as best as we can make it. And, and I'm sure there's some things you wish could be better, but I mean, you got to also take into account. You got to get it done in a certain amount of time. Cause you only have the actors for a certain amount of time and you only have so much budget. Yes. You would love to have the budget for like one episode of friends to spend. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and that's, that's one of the, 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 the nice reviews or the nice um, things that I've heard from people who watch my movies talking about it's uh, that they almost not in a bad way. They, they say they wish I never get that big of a budget because they're worried that the, some of the fun of watching my movies and seeing the creative ways of, of how I come up with these, you know, making up for a lack of a budget. They're worried that if I have a big budget, some of that fun and that magic will, will dissipate, which is true in, in, in some ways. Um, uh, but I mean, compared to a Marvel budget where you, you can do anything on a computer and, you know, make anything happen. I'm sure watching it. I mean, it's true for me too, as an audience member, I, I enjoy some of the independent films. It's like, okay, how are you going to pull this off? You said you wanted to make, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. I mean, John Carpenter is a good, I mean, it's a, a independent, you know, low budget stuff. And some of the clever stuff that he comes up with is like, hey, that's a clever way to, to do it. Um, sometimes that is much more intellectually stimulating or much more rewarding than watching someone who has a $200 million budget and they can do anything they want and explode anything they want. Um it's just different types of filmmaking. There's n nothing wrong with either of them. It's just it's a different mindset. Yeah, and also one has a team of a thousand, and, and you have a team of you and and, and, um, and yeah. Florence. Okay, okay. What can you? Yeah. What can we do? <laughs> and and what your can we do? Yeah. And your parents. Your parents have been extremely um, helpful yes. in so many ways with your with your work. Not just being supportive, it's like you can do it, Josh. To literally um, helping with um, set design, helping with. Um, catering and, oh, yeah. and your dad and mom have backed your dad particularly has acted in numerous of numerous movies yeah. of yours and he does i feel good work you know considering i mean i know he's probably like ah, but he, he does he does he plays the roles well oh thank you thank you yes and and uh, my mom is much more behind the scenes but i do force her out on, on into the, the limelight every once in a while but i've been so blessed with and my sister too who's now working at NASA. She got all the math science uh, brain. Um, I got the good look, so it bounces up. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> she, but it, putting her on, and, and, and um, they've been so supportive. It's been a wonderful, 
I mean, I've been so blessed to have such a supportive family that like, what can we do to help? How can we, uh, you know, what, what do you need us to do? Um, so yeah, they've, they've, they've been wonderful. And, uh, we were talking earlier about James Whale and his, his group of actors. That's what I kind of find myself doing with my films. It's like, let's put, I mean, people come to almost come to expect to see, my dad in a cameo or my mom, you know, or my sister or just my, my group of actors that's that, that, um, that feeling of a, like a traveling tour of, of a comedy players or like a, a Shakespeare group of actors that constantly rotate in and out. I, I love, I love that, that feeling. Now this is, this is one of the few movies I've ever seen. Maybe the only one I've seen you do where you have no role on the front of the camera. Well, I mean, you are a puppeteer. I am a puppeteer, but I, I am visible. I don't have any lines. Oh, I, I, I always wonder, is that you? <laughs> That's me. Okay. It might be me. It might be me. I'll say that. Um, I will say I do get my, my, I do have one line. It's not my body, but it's, it's Julian's body at the end. And it's like, yeah, uh, can I get some mopery here? I, I, that's my voice. As, as the, the, in Danny asks, Danny's running the brothel and her, her big, uh, her specialty as, as a brothel woman is mopery, which is, uh, I mean, it's exposing yourself to a blind person. And it's, I mean, it's so awful, but, um, I'm, I'm the guy who asks for that. I'm like, yeah, can I get some mopery? That's my voice. So, but, um, I do have another cameo in it. I, you, you know what it is. <laughs> I don't want to say it cause it's kind of a spoiler type thing. And, uh, um, <laughs> but it's just, um, I've, I've always wondered, because I, I, I think that's him, but I wasn't sure, you know, and I, I figured, you know. And, um, I can either uh, confirm or deny, uh, Mr. Speaker. I can either confirm or deny. Uh. <laughs> Which we all know means you confirmed it, but whatever the case. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a question I meant to ask you in the last interview, but I'm going to ask you now. Now, who has sure. it tougher? Joshua Kennedy, the actor, being directed by Joshua Kennedy, or Joshua, Joshua Kennedy, the director, trying to direct Joshua Kennedy, the actor? Oh, my God. It's a little meta. <laughs> yeah, whoa. And then it's, it gets even more meta in Mantipus, because it's a movie I'm working on right now where I am playing, I'm directing the movie Mantipus, and the movie Mantipus is about a film director making a movie called Mantipus. And so I am playing a movie director making, it's, there's so many meta things. So now, and then did you apply that question to that? Um, that's a great question. I think they all kind of, in a way, blend into one, in a way, like it's just one. I never see myself as, as the actor. I think it's, it's, it's all part of the same body. It's like, what's more important, the hands or the feet? It's like, it's all, the same body you know that's a great i love that question um yeah i i I don't even you stumped me good night ladies and gentlemen well the funny thing is with with mantipus i mean it's almost like you have the uh the person what is it the there's that picture where somebody's looking at a picture in a mirror and it's like it's like yeah and it goes on for endless it's like an endless loop well that's a perfect segue because oh okay how do I even describe it? So, like I said, Mantipus is the story of a 1950s movie director making a movie called Mantipus. Kind of like a Roger Corman-esque low-budget movie producer. <clears throat> and we're shooting on actual 16-millimeter film for the first time, which I've never shot an actual feature on 16-millimeter film, which is an amazing experience in and of itself. Anyway, so we it's me, um, Julian, um, Rosa, my lighting girl who did House of the Gorgon, she's lighting Mantipus, helping me out with that. Um, and the lovely Cindy, who's playing like kind of a, a note. She takes the notes in Mantipus of, of like making sure, especially with, with working with film, you have to make note of how many time, how, you have to time keep every shot just to make sure you don't run out of film. So that's important. Anyway, <clears throat> to show in the movie that we are shooting a movie, and it's in the 50s. We needed a 16-millimeter camera, but we only have one that's shooting. This gets complicated a bit, so, so hang, hang on with me. <laughs> so what we did was, funny you talk about a mirror, we set up the camera looking into a mirror and had us 
filming ourselves filming a scene. So when when you see it in the film, what you're seeing is the actual camera filming itself in the mirror, and the actual technicians are playing the technicians in the movie, making the movie. So the actual note keeper is playing the note keeper in the 50s. Rosa, who is my lighting designer, is playing a 1950s lighting designer. And it was the weirdest, most meta thing we've done. And we like got headaches afterward. We're like, how does this work? What does this mean? <laughs> so and I'm very proud of that shot in Manticus. Um That it's like, whoa, what? The? And if you didn't know it was a, a mirror shot, you would never know. But now I, I gave it away so you can appreciate it. But it's like, whoa, what is going on here? It's, it's, I'm very proud of that. And that's what I mean, using the, the creativity and, and sometimes older directors' tips and stuff like that. It's like um, when somebody's going to get hit in the head with a sledgehammer or a hammer, you know, yeah, yeah. instead of saying swing but stop before you hit the actor's head, of course, the lot, you know, which was, which oh, can only go to the bad areas. <laughs> you as the filmmaker would do what? I, well, I would reverse the film. I would connect, connect the, 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 the hammer to the head and then, pull it back and then just reverse the film. So it connects. Um, I'm sure. I mean, that's yeah. Is that what you were thinking of? Exactly. You know, and, but it's something that's yeah. been done for ever. And then, you know, but you can imagine a new filmmaker who maybe, cause not everybody goes to film school. Not everybody understands all that stuff. A lot of people, especially with um, the technology being so accessible for people to make their own oh, yeah. content. Um, sometimes you get, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you got to realize what the, you know, think about this for a second. What could yeah, yeah. go, you know, it's like many things could go wrong. One thing might go right. You might stop in time, but nine of the 10 times it's going to go yeah. very poorly. Ooh. And yeah, so let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's look at it. Let's, let's, let's take a moment and think about yeah. this before we <laughs> commit. Yeah. How are we going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny. I mean, the technology now that, like you mentioned, every everyone has a phone now. You can shoot a whole. People are shooting films on on their iPhones. People are doing. I mean, TikTok is a huge thing. I mean, there, there's no. There, I have talked to so many students who are like, "Well, how do I make a movie? I don't know where to start." I'm like, "There is no excuse with the technology that we have now." Um, working with, like I said, on 16 millimeter film has only made me appreciate what we have right now. I mean, waiting a week to get my film back. I have to, every time I shoot 11 minutes, I need to send those 11 minutes off to Massachusetts and then get it back. I, I'm really putting myself in with the feet of the monster kids of yesteryear that would shoot their own little eight millimeter stuff and have to wait to see if it even came out, if it's in focus, if there's a hair in the lens. Um, and just, it just makes me appreciate digital so much better. And just, we have it so easy now. So there's no excuse for anyone, anyone out there who is thinking of making a movie, just do it. Just you've got your phone. That's all you need, basically. I don't know if you've seen the movie that came out last month. Last month being August of 2021, For those that are listening to this down the road, Infintium, subject unknown. No, I didn't. It's a, it's a science fiction thing. It's um like quantum physics type level type stuff. It was filmed uh -huh. by um. Tory and Matthew Butler Hart during in, in England during the pan, the height of the, the beginning of the pandemic. So he they've done many other films prior to this. They're independent filmmakers, but in this one he decided that he was going to use literally his phone to film the whole thing. And they got the um, you know the you know, different things like the um, the one thing that the, the, instead of a steady cam, it'll keep the um, the phone steady as you move it around. Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and that kind of stuff and the sound. And, but it was just, they, they were, they were the whole crew cause you, pandemic, you can't get anybody else. The streets were yeah. vacant. So they were able to get these great shots where she's supposed to be, she's by herself. And it's, it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. And Sir Ian McKellum is in it in a, in a very brief segment um, that, you know, it's like where he's video recorded and stuff, but it ends up, he recorded himself and he sent it to him. It's only like, he's only in it for like a minute or two. And, um, yeah, but, yeah. but he is in it. <laughs> still counts. Yeah. Still counts. And it's well acted. Tori Butler Hart is the, is the, um, the act, the main actor throughout the whole film, except for those brief scenes where they're talking to these scientists. 
and um, it, it's very well done. But they, they just used their phone. And I did an interview with them, and we were discussing that, how they went through and did all that. And I, when I saw the film, I did not yet know they used their phone until after they were doing a and a And then um, they talked about that, and then I reached out for them to do an interview and stuff. But, so, yes, you can do a film that came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, it, successfully. It's 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 a stat like the technology is it's all out and there's even phones now that that can do 8K like like it's not just 4K or 2K it's 8K which like that's IMAX level like dimensions how the heck do you yeah there's there's no excuse it, I was gonna say you brought up uh, the pandemic I spent so much time one of my previous films the Alpha Omega Man I was so adamant to get empty shots of New York City. Um, this was 2016, and we spent so much time getting getting at least just like every, one day was like one shot to just get an empty street of New York. And because I was the last man on earth, I was the Alpha Omega Man. And that's where everyone, uh, I made such a big deal. It's like, we're getting empty shots of New York, and then the pandemic happened. I mean, four years later, and people were texting me like, now's the time you should have been doing the Alpha Omega, man. You got these empty streets. And I was like, had I known, <laughs> I would have waited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you would yeah, you, and you would have bought a lot of stock in um in Clorox wipes and masks, <laughs> all those other things, right? Yeah, and then yeah, you'd have a budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's always hindsight, and hindsight, as we all know, is twenty twenty and that kind of stuff. And um, uh, you know, and also you were in New York at the time. Now you're now you're you're in Texas, so it's yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, but that just reminded me you were talking about that they were using. I mean, filmmakers, you just use what you have. You have empty streets because of the pandemic. Use it. You have your phone. Use it. You have, you know, Uncle Jerry, who used to be a Broadway actor. Use him. Why not? There, again, I'll keep saying it. There's no excuse not to make a movie. If you want to make one, you have more than enough opportunities. Now, one thing we didn't mention with Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls, if you want to give people uh, like the 30-second, whatever, idea what the movie is about we never told them what it was about i mean it's kind oh, of okay. in the title but uh, yeah yeah i was gonna say it's uh cowgirls and they fight pterodactyls <laughs> these uh pterodactyls have been yeah how do i even describe it a, a amazon has a great synopsis it's a a school teacher teams up with a, an ex-gunslinger and a brothel keeper to rescue her husband, who has been captured by, taken by malicious pterodactyl, something like that. It's rescued the husband who has been taken. And uh, we have school teacher, uh, gunslinger, and a brothel keeper, a madame, on the, on the quest to bring him back. Yeah, and it's, it's basically, um, part of the movie is a road trip, you know, buddy picture, <laughs> you know, buddy cop thing, whatever, you know, with the three of them going through all different types of personalities. Um, and the, and the other part is the, 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 the woman with no name, the man and the woman yeah. in black going on her journey. And then they intersect at, at the, um, nighttime scene. Um, they're not, not yeah. the climax, but they intersect prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the hijinks that ensue, the adventures that ensue, the madness that ensues. Yeah. It's, it's wacky. It is wacky. It is, like we said, no budget, but it brings a smile to my face. And, and the listeners, like we said, it, a lot of times it, it rotates around when it's available on Amazon Prime. So if, you, if you're not sure, if you don't, if you don't want to buy the, the physical thing, you can watch it, wait for it to come out. It'll be rotate through again every so many months. If it's not there right now, you can see it on Prime. You can see what it looks like. And it, it, it's, it's really, it, it's a good enjoyable time i mean thank you some people i know think of it being crazy you you made a top 10 list in amazon with that yes <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's when i knew it was like oh snap this is actually getting out there it was the uk to begin with uk the uk amazon top 10 so bad they're good on prime right now and i mean the stuff that was also on there was like llamageddon which uh, it's hilarious titles in this. Sure enough, there was Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls. That really helped to boost 
um, the, the, the publicity for it. And we were even mentioned on, if it was a Mexican uh, video, it was all in Spanish. And I want to say it was, it was from Mexico on, on YouTube. And it was the top five worst films of, and I, and again, when, when they say that, like that's not demeaning because that, that when you say it's one of the worst films that, that has so many different subcategories, I mean, that could be like low, low, the, the most low budget film you'll see the, the you know, the most low budget effects. So that, that when I say that, that's almost like a point of pride for me, it's like it, it was in, in, listed on the top five worst films of 2020. I was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's great because, you see the other films that were lumped in with, and and it, it's 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 um, I mean it's very unique. Uh, to I mean, what other film can can say that <laughs> we were on those? I think I, I take that as a point of pride. It's like we were on the top, so bad they're good list, and one of the worst films of 2020. I I think that's great. That really helped boost. I think they got like a million views on YouTube, um, which was insane. So that really helped boost our numbers. Which goes back to saying all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not only not only you're the, the writer, director, producer of Gooey Productions, but you're also the guy that has to do the promotion. So I mean, you know, it's just it's just yeah. like oh yeah, God. yeah, yeah, <laughs> a bit of everything. Um, but yeah, and it's it's funny how uh, it's probably my most popular, the most seen film that I've made is probably Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyls, thanks to Amazon Prime, because that's just like opening the floodgates to anyone in the world who wants to watch, who stream it. Um, and that's easily probably my most seen film. Now, um, I'm going to end this with one question for you, Josh, and I'm going to I'm going to roll the genre yeah. dice. I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite movie, or one, not, one, not your favorite movie, the movie you'd recommend to other people okay. from this genre, and I'll pick one of the dying dice. Oh, horror. That was sheer luck for you. <laughs> okay. So a horror that, film that I would recommend? Yeah, it could be any, pick any kind of horror movie. I will, I will just, because I'm, I'm obsessed with it right now. Um, and it's perfect for the Halloween season. And I just watched it this afternoon. I might've mentioned it to you. John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Um, those of you who know John Carpenter, who did Halloween and Assault on Precinct 13, Escape from New York, this is one of his lesser known films, I'd say. A lot of people don't know about it. And I want to say it flopped, uh, when it came out and not many people saw it. It's very intriguing. And I'm, I'm really, I really have grown to, to love it. Um, Donald Pleasance is in it. Um, I'll do just a brief synopsis. Um, Donald Pleasance is a priest who may have discovered this, uh, trying to not to spoil anything. There's this strange substance that has been locked away for 2000 years in the basement of this church. And the church as a whole has, has, uh, the Vatican has tried to keep this thing, whatever it is under wraps. And Donald Pleasance is a priest who discovers it and, all sorts. I mean, there's theological implications, there's science fiction implications, but it's really, it's, it's a, it's a smart person's movie. I would say, I, I don't know if you've seen it, if you would describe it any other way or. I saw it one time. No, I think twice. I saw it the first time at the movie theater. Uh-huh. And then I think I saw it one other time after this, but it's been, um, a couple of a few decades. I think it's a movie that came out ahead of its time. Like if it came out nowadays, I think it would do much better, but it reminded me yeah. of very much of a continuation of the Quatermass series. Yes. It's very Quatermassy. And funny enough that you say that because John Carpenter wrote Prince of Darkness, but he used a pseudonym and the pseudonym on screen is written by Martin Quatermass. So it's so perfect that you, you say that um, it's got science fiction elements and it's just, it's a thinking man's movie. If it's not your Halloween slasher it's, I mean, it has those elements, but there's a lot more going on in it, and I, I recommend it. For those of you who haven't seen it, I would recommend it. And doesn't it have – I think it has Alice Cooper in it too. Yes, for sure, yes. It's a small role, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Alice Cooper, so, you know. It, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's creepy, and it's unsettling, and it's thought-provoking, and it's very unlike any other John Carpenter – well, I, I won't say that. 
I, I, I recommend it. That there's my, my horror genre pick for today. Perfect for the Halloween season too. Yes, yeah, and of course this 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 will come in that this won't be Halloween when it comes out, but it'll be <laughs> <laughs> Halloween comes every year, so it's exactly yes. If you want to put it on the shelf for the next for the upcoming Halloween, I yes, my vote Prince of Darkness or John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Just get yourself some candy, act like it's Halloween, watch the movie, yeah, and then that way it's, it's Halloween for you that day. Well, for us, for us monster kids, Halloween is all year round. I mean, let's be real. So, yeah. <laughs> and if you like it, then you obviously know it was a treat. If you don't like it, then Josh tricked you. So it's trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but John, it was good catching up with you. I'm really looking forward to Mantipus and Saturnalia coming out. I know um, I follow you and Reber, and I know Reber's got them there, and it's like, oh, it's getting <laughs> – you know it's getting near the end when you're, when you're putting the sound on it, so it's okay. when they do Hopefully come. By the end of, I was gonna say, when do you ahead. think they might be finished and coming out? Hey, Mantipus, I'm, I'm unsure because we have a lot a lot of things up in the air right now. Um, Saturnalia in a perfect world is out before Christmas or is a Christmas release this year of 2021. So, and I mean something. I mean that's right now. As of what are we? September 2021. Hopefully. December we will have Saturnalia out. And when it does come out, how's it how's it gonna be is it gonna be like like Amazon Prime streaming again or are you gonna have a car are you gonna have a physical copy? Is it gonna be the same thing with, with Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls? Same thing with, with Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls. I'm I'm toying with the idea of doing a, a Indiegogo just for, for the Blu-ray release for those who want to get it, maybe a poster a picture signed and then just on Amazon prime. And then you can also get the Blu-ray. So yeah, basically like, like Cal. that's the plan right now. Yeah. And I, I remember I did the um, Indiegogo for listeners to know, I did the Indiegogo with Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls. And I got, that's how I got my Blu-ray copy. And I also got a signed picture of all the Cowgirls. Oh, cool. Except cool. for Danny Thompson. <laughs> well, funny enough. I mean, we, we did all that, that before Danny even showed up into the cast. So those are the Cowgirls. I, you're not the first person to bring that up. They're like, what about Danny? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> well, you know, you could make it like a special collector's thing. You can come up with some signed ones and, and have them go out there, and it'd be like the, the, the super yeah, exclusive yeah. Danny you know, Danny Thompson you know, character. Only one signature in every five DVD or Blu-rays, like a golden ticket in Willy Walker or something. <laughs> Very limited edition. <laughs> <laughs> Run straight home, Charlie. I got a Danny autograph. I got a Danny yeah. autograph. Da, 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 da. I am so happy now that I have it. Always. <laughs> well, I should have had you singing that because you actually are the singer. I'm, I'm just I'm just the guy. You, you took it away. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> <laughs> But as always, Josh, um, people can follow your stuff on what website? We're on, on Facebook as Joshua Kennedy, Man of the Arts. And also, if you want to look into the buying a Blu-ray of Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls or a DVD of House of the Gorgon, it'll be gooeyfilms.com. Gooey, G-O-O-E-Y, films.com. Yes, go there and, and enjoy the gooey. By the way, why is it called gooey? And when I was five years old, one of my first movies that I made was about a piece of silly potty and i tried to stop motion animate it across the table and i all i ended it with zooming in and i was like this has been a gooey film production and after that it was just gooey gooey film so it was a piece of silly putty that was crawling across the, and it was gooey and i was like this has been a gooey film production ever since well there you go um so <laughs> um, then josh thank you for joining me and um for interview Part two, if listeners want to go back to an interview talking about Josh's earlier work, go back to the archives. It's an early, early episode. Again, the audio quality is kind of... <laughs> hey, learning curve. We learn, we grow, we get better. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and we, we, always, we always strive for perfection, but perfection is never achieved. Yes, we're working towards greatness, as Pace University would say. Working towards greatness. Yes. But thank you for having me. This was fun. I appreciate it. All right, and listeners, thank you for listening in and joining Josh and I um, talk about his recent work. And I hope you guys, when you get this, that um, Santa, Saturnalia will be out and you'll be able to watch the film, buy the film, love the film. I haven't even seen the film yet, but I know who's in it. I know who made it, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
Join us next episode. We'll be doing a movie review decided by the roll of a die or an interview. But as always, stay safe. And I hope everybody does something that makes them happy today. Bye. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast, and I'm glad that you got to listen to Joshua Kennedy's second interview. Again, if you want to hear more about Joshua Kennedy, go back in our archive. You can find the first episode that we did. Also, as Josh has his new movie coming out, Saturnalia, and I have the promo for it for his Indiegogo campaign. And um, so if you want to participate in that and get a copy of the Blu-ray or posters and things like that, feel free to help out the independent filmmakers that we have and Joshua Kennedy's film work has always been excellent. So we're going to listen to the promo in just a second. I also want to let you know that the next episode is going to be another part of the James Well Retrospective series where we're going to be talking about Showboat. And I'm going to be joined by Rod Barnett. And I hope you guys enjoy that too. Otherwise, without further ado, here is the promo for Saturnalia. It's the same old story. Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy brings to life cartoon cave girl from outer space. Her name is Saturnalia. She's a, a, a cave girl from outer space. She has laser eyes and she talks in speech bubbles and she fights crime. Just listen to me, I am telling the truth. Saturnalia! Saturnalia. The new Joshua Kennedy film. Check out the Indiegogo for the official Blu-ray edition. Click the link in this episode's show notes.